in the wilderness simply because they had a bad perspective. I'll say it this way. Bad is too easy. They looked in the, with the eyes of reality. Understand, if you're a Christian, just let me be clear on this. If you are a Christian, you don't say, I just look through the eyes of reality. No. Some of us like to separate church life from even our personal lives. I don't know about you, I pray when I go shopping. Man, I, I believe God for parking spaces. That's my wife. No, seriously, if you don't begin, if you, one of the reasons why, let me just tell you, one of Pastor Johnson's message last week, if I could just add a little bit to it, one of the reasons why the 12 spies saw the promised land, knew God, that's where God, that's why they were in the wilderness in the first place. One of the reasons why they, they saw it and they, you know, pulled back, said, no, we can't do it, is because that's what they did every day. Like a lot of us think that like being, believing God in spiritual things, well, let's pray for healing. So I'm going to trust God on that. No, you're not. You don't trust God on little stuff. You, li you live in sight all the time. The Bible says we walk by faith, not just on Sabbath and not by sight. That's, that, that should be a lifestyle for us that we live lives of faith because what's inevitably going to happen is you're going to come to a Kadesh experience and it's going to require faith that you, that you just don't have. You're not used to using. You don't, you're not a person of faith. So why would you believe God when a faith-trying experience comes? That's not your M.O. You didn't believe God for that parking space the other day. <laughs> Some of you got, oh, that's too far. All right, that's fine. It may be too far, but I get good parking spaces. That just, just happens that way, you know. Just listen here. We have got to learn that perspective cannot be turned on and off. That's what we're saying. That's the message last week. You can't turn it on when you really need God and turn it off when you think you don't. Do, do, are you understand what I'm saying? Like we've got to practice. What I'm, what I'm trying to figure out how to do is like practice this stuff regularly. All right, so let's look at the scripture today because we're about to see a major jack up. Like we're about to see the whole thing fall apart. Like all the major luminaries that led them into the wilderness are about to straight die in the wilderness. People that had anticipated going from wilderness to promised land are not going to make it. And today, and today is Moses. Like, who would have thought this guy? The leader. He ain't going in. The wilderness is rough, man. Even the, even the man of God, the friend after God's own heart, did not get in. Let's find out why. The Bible says in Numbers 20, read with me if you would. The Bible says in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin. Somebody say Zin should be able to handle that one. And they stayed at, try go ahead, try it. Kadesh, Kadesh. all right, that's good. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I posted on Facebook the other day, I couldn't understand why black people can't say Chipotle. So if they can't say Chipotle, they probably can't say Kadesh. <laughs> Pray for us, Lord. The, li the lips, I don't know what it is. Usher, Usher, I don't know. It says, there Miriam died and was what, everybody? All right, remember, who's Miriam? It's Moses' sister, all right? Anybody ever lost a loved one? Is that an easy experience? Do you just move on? All right, watch. The Bible says, there Miriam died. Verse 2, now there was no what? For the what? And the people gathered in, oh, here we go again, in opposition to Moses and Aaron. Verse 3, 
They quarreled with Moses. That's a nice way of saying they were all up in his face. And said, if only we had, <laughs> it's never that deep, y'all. It ain't never that bad. If only we had died. We don't have any water, so I wish we were dead. They're suicidal because they have no water. If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Verse 4, why did you bring us? You, Moses, why did you bring the Lord's community? <laughs> now, they're claim, now they're claiming to be God's community. <laughs> why did you bring the Lord's community into the wilderness that we and our, what else, y'all? Livestock should die here. Go on. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has, now, now examine this. this. Now, somebody walked in. We were talking about pomegranates in first service. So we're about to go to Whole Foods right now, all right? Look, look. Look, look if they're complaining about. Look at, look at the level they've gotten to. It has no grain or figs, grapevines, or they went from complaining about not having water to now they're complaining about having organic foods. And one of the things I mentioned before is, brothers and sisters, you can't get those kinds of products at Dave's. This is how spoiled they got. They gotten so spoiled, they mad they don't got pomegranates. Anybody had a pomegranate lately? All right, just go on. And there is no water to drink. Go on. The Bible says... And Moses and Aaron, oh, these are some good brothers, uh, went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting, and they would they, they what, everybody? That's exactly what you ought to do when you, when you find some trouble, when people bothering you, all right? Go on, and the glory of the Lord, oh, I love that, appeared to them, verse 7, and the Lord said to Moses, what did he say, y'all? Read that. Take the staff, and you and your Aaron, do what? Gather the assembly together. Okay, we're, we're good. Verse uh, 8 continues. Speak, oh, before they're what? And it will do what? And you will do what? Out of the what? For the who? I love doing that, all right? So they and their livestock can drink. God gave instructions. God said, listen, we can fix this, all right? Go on now, verse 9. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, so far so good, right? Just as he had commanded him. He's obeying, all right? Then and he and Aaron gathered the assembly, they're good, right? Uh-huh, uh, uh, together, they gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, oh, we're we looking at some deviation now. Listen, you no-count. <laughs> Listen, you rebels. If Moses was black, y'all know what he would have said. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling y'all. Some of y'all scared. I'm not going to say it. I'm not. Don't know where. Come on. I have, some, I have some limitations. But I'm just telling. I want you all to feel where he is. He's not speaking kind words. And this is an abridged version. Everything he said is not in the Bible. You know, the, the, as he was remembering, he could write down what he remembered. He, your boy went off. Do you remember everything you said to your kids when you went off on them? Okay, he went off. All right, just know that. Listen, you rebels. Now, oh, he's not, now he all in his feelings. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Verse 11. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. You know what I think happened? I think he hit it once and nothing came out. This is just me. It's not in the text. Because remember, God told him to do what? I think he hit it once, nothing came out, and then he hit it again. Then it came out. 
God is so merciful. We disobey him and then he go ahead and bless us. All of us in here are some rock strikers. Just a, we got a bunch of rock strikers. If you're a rock striker, raise your hand. Come on. You struck something before and you should have spoke to it, right? Water gushed out. Amen? And the community and their livestock drank. Let's see how God feels about this. And But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not, you will not, you will not bring this community into the land I gave them. Go on now. Uh, now let's go to Deuteronomy 3. This is Moses sort of writing his memoir about what happened and sharing this with this generation just before they go in. That's what Deuteronomy is. It's a memoir. It's a sermon of Moses rehashing everything that happened and trying to warn the people not to fall into the same thing he fell into. And this is what he says. He says, at that time I pleaded with the Lord, verse 23, skip to 25, and let me, he said he pleaded, let me go over and see the good land. Lord told him, no. He said, come on, let me just, please let me go in. And, and, and the Jordan, that fine hill country, uh, and Lebanon, verse 26, Moses begged and said, Lord, come on, give me another chance. But, and then, watch this, but because of you, talking to the people, it's because of y'all that the Lord was angry with me <laughs> and would not listen to me. Basically, God, I asked him, he would not let me go in. That is enough, the Lord says. Translation, shut up, enough. Close your mouth, I've heard enough. The Lord said, he said, do not speak to me anymore about this this is Moses, y'all. Moses. You're not Moses. This guy talked to God face to face. Okay, this, come on, come on, come on. This is, if Moses didn't get in, then we got to go back to 1 Corinthians 10, which says, to him that thinks he stands, take heed. This is, a, this, is a, this is kryptonite for the Christian who thinks they're a big shot. If you, what's up, man? If, you think, if you're a big shot, if you think you're all that, then just remember, God is, no, God is so no respecter of persons, he'll tell his boy, Moses, you can't go in. Are we good? Oh, is everybody here? I'm going to recapitulate what I talked about this morning. Because those of you here at first service know I'm not going to preach that again. I have a real hard time being the Holy Spirit saying the exact same thing twice. That's really what goes on. <laughs> so it just feels weird. All right. Verse 27. Watch this. The Lord says, what I'll let you do is I'll let you go to the top of Pisgah and look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes since, I'll let you see it, since you are not going to cross this Jordan. You can look at it, but you ain't going in. Are we all here? All right. Let's pray. Lord, help us to get this word today. In Jesus' name, amen couple of points to recapitulate real quick so I can get to what I really want to tell you about. I really just basically want to explain to you today why Moses didn't get in, and we need to use this as sort of a life lesson as to what could hold us back from moving to the next step in God. Any first service people here trying to hear the second part of this? Praise God. Glad you're here. Those of you who didn't hear the first service, uh, go online and you can listen to it because I don't really have time to go through all of that, but I'm going to recapitulate this at least. Let's go. First thing you need to get is the wilderness is designed to detox us from manufacturing blessings. In other words, the reason why God puts us in the wilderness, the wilderness is just a metaphoric way of saying God puts you in a place where he takes stuff from you. I mean, it could be money, it could be relationships, it could be a certain routine, it could be a, a certain place you live. Anybody ever been there? 
anybody ever been to a place where you lost something, didn't have something, something was once, you once had it, God took it away from you. You got that, right? Anybody ever been in a wilderness experience? Let's just make sure I'm preaching to the right people. Anybody ever been in, okay, I see five hands. Anybody ever been in a wilderness experience before? I see 25 hands, good. Anybody ever been in a wilderness experience before? I see about 35 hands. Anybody ever been in a wilderness experience before? All right, I'm starting to see more. All right, some of y'all tired of raising your hands, no problem. Watch this, God puts us in the wilderness on purpose because he wants us to stop depending on the stuff that we had and start learning that he can do more with nothing than he can with your something. Is everybody here? Are you feeling me on this? That's the bottom line. Why do we have to go through wilderness experiences? God, God's not just trying to take stuff from you. God's trying to give you something that you didn't have. And that's trusting in a God that can move when you can't see nothing. And understand this, this is such a big deal to God that God started this thing called the new covenant. The old covenant was your whole salvation was based on what you could see, how you can work. Then God shifted when he sent his only son. And in Jeremiah 31, he says, behold, I give to you a new covenant. And this new covenant is not going to be based upon what you can see with your eyes. He said, I'm going to take this new covenant. I'm going to write it in your heart. It is critical that you learn to walk by faith because salvation now is no longer based on what you do. Salvation now, new covenant is based on what you can't see. Are y'all here? That's why the Bible goes so far as saying the just shall live by faith. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, for without faith. Listen, this is big time. This is, this is the word. The Lord, now listen, these are major scriptures. These are primary, not secondary. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whoever comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently, are we together? Or do you follow the, the seriousness of having faith? So that your wilderness is necessary for God to teach you how to walk by faith and not with your eyes. You know you are for real grown up Christian when you don't need to see no money. You know you are for real grown up Christian when you can see a doctor's report and you ain't tripping about it. You know you're for real Christian when you can look at your kid and see them losing your mind but yet declare he's going to contend with those that contend with me and he's going to save this boy. You got to... You, no, I'm serious. Like, you, you, you have, if you do not become a person of faith, then you do not belong to the Lord. The scripture says, if it is, a, if it is not a faith, it is sin. Whoa, good Lord. Did you just catch that? Anything done outside of the realm of faith, if it's done in fear, if it's done in anxiety, God says that's sin. Are we here? Do you see the depth of what I'm talking about? Do you see why it's so critical that you can't be like separating like faith on Sabbath from being real the rest of the week? You can't compartmentalize your life. I'm a Christian over here, but when, I, when I'm with them, I'm not. Are y'all here? The Bible says it is Faith, that is the substance of things hoped for. I feel God. The evidence of things not seen. This, the Bible says in Romans, the only thing that counts, this is scripture, y'all, is faith working itself through love. Commandment keeping doesn't count. Works doesn't count. The Bible says any man that seeks to be justified by the law is dead. The only
only way that makes God happy, the only way we can even deal with God. God says, I don't want people dealing with me based upon what they can see. I want them to trust what comes out of my mouth even when they can't see it. Matter of fact, let me just say this. I, I, I'm just going to obey, obey your Holy Spirit. You ought, to, you ought to intentionally put yourself in positions where you cannot manufacture blessings. In other words, what I mean by manufacture blessings is create scenarios where you're saying God blessed you, but you know you did it for real. You got that car. God didn't do that. That house was all you. You're going around here saying God blessed me. No, he didn't. You, you didn't trust him throughout the process. You manipulated the system. Come on in here, somebody. You had just enough money to do it. Uh, uh, that ain't God. God is when you couldn't do it. Mm. God is when you couldn't see it. How does God get glory when you had all the money, you had all what you needed, you had how, No, tell me. How does God get credit for that? He loves it when you're in the wilderness. He loves it when you can't manufacture or manipulate a blessing. He loves it when you have no way out. He loves it when your back mic is, a, is up against the wall and, and ain't nobody there to help you except God. He loves it when you get lonely. He loves it when you get destitute. He loves it when you're all by yourself because it's then and only then that we can begin to see who God is. You can't see who God is when you're too busy looking at yourself. Go on. We got to move. Uh, Forward progress always creates discomfort. Anytime you try to move forward, expect haters. Okay, all right, I will. So I saw on Facebook the other day, Fred Bozeman, no names, please. Somebody took a picture of our office, um, our office, what do you call it, marquee? And... Uh, they took a picture of the other office marquee in this building, and they posted it on social media. And at the top of it, their caption says, my God, look how far Glenville has fallen. No, let's follow that, because we're, we're not in a building anymore. Oh my goodness. We got Jesus. But we don't have a building. Oh. Their office spaces are in an office building. Oh my God. Anytime you try to make a move forward, expect hatred. Criticism. Come on, sir. That's what you see. All, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up because you look at numbers, all the complaints, they always started anytime the Lord would say, now get up and move. <laughs> as long as they were comfortable, there was no drama. As long as you just do what people want you to do, then you're good. And some of y'all think that's spiritual. Look, okay, let me ask you this. When Jesus came here, was there controversy? Uh, constantly. Because when you're seeking to bring about change, expect people to change. They smile in your face, they'll talk behind your back. All right, go on. 
Go on. Yep. And then what happens is we end up tend to uh, catastrophizing. I made that up. I did. You know what catastrophe is? Like, so we make everything a catastrophe. When you're in the wilderness, we have a tendency to, to uh, like, exaggerate our problems. So that's what the whole pomegranate thing was. They're in the wilderness, right? Now, let me ask you this. If you don't have water, the first thing that comes to your mind is, we don't got no figs. <laughs> no, no, seriously. If you don't have water for, like, three days, like, you're going to die. So if you don't have water... Why are you like calling a need for a buffet list of organic foods like <laughs> pomegranates? You see what I'm saying? When you get in the wilderness, everything is amplified. Everything is a big deal. And all that is is Satan trying to get you to be in your feelings about nothing. <laughs> go on, feeling some kind of way, type of way, whatever it is. All right, go on. Let me, let me be good. All right, so, so go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. All right. All right, so here's the current situation. So here's basically what caused Moses to go postal. Here's what caused Moses to have a meltdown. Yeah, so like I love sports. And like, you know, one of the things that I noticed since the Browns have been in this restructuring, I actually like it. I do. Because one of the things that they did that they haven't done in a long time is they just start cleaning house. First person, amongst others, but one of the first major people that they had to get rid of was Johnny Manziel. Right? Yeah, there were others, but I'm saying, who were we talking about? Who were we talking about constantly? Why was he on the team so long? They, why didn't they cut him earlier? We ain't talking about salvation. We're talking business right now, okay? Why didn't they? And so, so, what, so what new ownership did, and this is what you often see, when a new boss will come in, some of you have seen it on your job, a new boss will come in, he'll say, I want this person here and this person here. I want to move you. Because anytime somebody's beginning something new, they're overprotective about where they're, where, where, where they're taking their program. They're basically saying, I'm responsible for this, so since I'm responsible for this, I'm going to put my people in the right place so that I can make the moves that I'm trying to make. In the case of Moses... God was so particular about taking this new generation into the promised land that he says, I'm even, I'm even willing, I, gotta, I might have to cut Moses. Moses has been on the team for 40 years. Moses has been the, the quarterback for this team. Moses has scored. Moses has put up big numbers. But I've got to cut him. Moses got cut because he was about to take some stuff from the wilderness into the promised land. Moses got cut. Can I show you how? All right, so here are the, here are the circumstances. First, 12 spies. And they got that 40-year sentence. Remember that? They saw the promised land, and the Lord says, man, because you're unbelief, 40 years, life sentence in the wilderness. I'm going, Moses, you stay with them, and you wait till, all, till they all die before you can go in. Second thing that happened is, is Korah, Dathan, and Abiram rose up against Moses. In one day, God ended up killing 14,000 people, opened up the ground on them, sent a plague because of their insistence on being disrespectful to leadership. Next, number three, then Moses was having funerals every day. Did you know that? For 40 years. Think of this, think of this, think of this. There are about two to three million people. There's a 40-year sentence that, they, that they, the, the old generation has to die off. 
That means every day for 40 years, Moses was going from one funeral to the other. So he was staying in a constant state of grief. Don't think for a minute Moses was happy to bury these people. These are people that he nurtured. Are y'all following me? Watch this, y'all. Uh, uh, go, on, go on to the next one. because uh, I got oh, um, And then Miriam dies. His sister. Like, you just don't get past these things. Some of you right now are still grieving. And the way you're grieving ain't really good because you're just trying to dismiss that stuff happened. You're like in denial. And I'm just saying, come on, think about this for a minute. This brother burying folk, this brother has to have a 40-year sentence for something he didn't do. So he's dealing with all this frustration. And then on top of that, check this, y'all. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. They're actually in year 40. I never knew that. I didn't know that. When Moses struck the rock, that happened at the end of the 40-year sentence. Oh, get that. This is, the, this is the stuff that preachers live for. When you find something like this in the Bible, it's like, oh, man, this sets the context for my whole sermon. If you miss this point, you miss everything. Get this. The, day 39, I mean, day, day 29, day 30, boom, day 40. Moses is like, day 40. We made it. Let's get ready to go in. On the very day, according to Numbers chapter 33, verse 38, on the very day that they were supposed to now move in. You, you, are we here? Is everybody, everybody together? Are you seeing what's happening here? So he's got that. His sister dies. He's got this new generation that's going to go into. So I, uh, Moses is in his feelings. He's feeling some type of way. There's a lot going on in his life. He's very vulnerable. One of the things I'm starting to learn is, man, I've got to, I have to have spirit checks. In other words, I've got to check my attitude. I've said this before. Check your attitude. Know what's affecting you. Make sure you've got a good night's rest. Just be careful how you deal with folk because we naturally go in flesh. We naturally in our feelings. We, I mean, some you get the wrong news at the wrong time and you don't react properly. And look, and look what happened to Moses. He responded. I mean, he had had basically a perfect record for at least 30 years. And then one moment... And the Lord says to him, I'm about to manzel you. You my boy. But what you did today, I cannot let that go. If I let that go in you. Y'all here? Can I show you how real quick? Can I show you how? Some of you, your life depends on hearing this message. You are this close to where God is trying to take you. But your, your, you are, your flesh, your flesh can trip you up. Go on. So then they start complaining about water. So watch what happens. Here it goes. <laughs> so here it is. Go ahead. Go to the next one. Now, on top of all this, Moses has an anger problem. This thing just went... From bad to worse. Did y'all know Moses had an anger problem? Can I show you how bad it was real quick? All right, go. First one, Moses, Moses demonstrated murderous anger. All right. Y'all remember the Egyptian slave? Okay, even if you didn't read the Bible. Anybody see Prince of Egypt? 
Some, some of y'all just, uh, anybody, okay, uh, wrong generation. Anybody see the Ten Commandments? All right, do you remember, remember in that movie when he killed the Egyptian? Because he felt like, okay, this is what we're talking about. It's in the Bible, okay? So, so check this. Typically, like, I'm just thinking, like, this is how bad he was. Like, his anger problem was on the level of, he didn't just beat the guy up, break it up, say, calm down. He killed him. That's deep. Oh, his anger on another level. Moses is that dude that don't fight people. Moses kills people. And he killed an Egyptian slave driver. That means that he got to a place of anger where he lost reason. Now think about this. You're killing somebody that has the power to kill you. Anybody know anybody like that? That will just get to that? Oh, some of y'all, that's who you are. Oh, okay. You will get to a place and black out on somebody. Don't know what happened. I don't know why people laying around. <laughs> all, I, all, I, all I know is he was messing with my boy. Moses, you got issues. And the good thing is, let's praise the Lord on this. God called Moses after that. <laughs> don't tell me God won't call no prostitute. Don't tell me God can't call somebody with tattoos all over their body. Don't tell me that the next preacher is not in that neighborhood somewhere right now with a 40 ounce in his hand. God will look past your bougie behind and pull somebody from the hood in a heartbeat. Yes, he will. He likes, he likes underdogs. Go to the next one. Then we see Moses uh, uh, with unnecessary, I love this one. This is my favorite one. With unnecessary anger with Pharaoh. All right, so watch what happens. Y'all remember the Lord? So like, you remember like in the Prince of Egypt? Because like, we don't read the Bible. Y'all remember in Ten Commandments with the plagues? Y'all remember the plagues, right? Yeah. So do you remember that God actually told Moses like everything that was going to happen before it happened? Yeah. You remember? It's like he would be like, okay, so this is what I'm about to do. I'm about to harden Pharaoh's heart, and then he's going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and then this is going to happen, and it's all going to work out. All right, so I just want, all I need you to do is just act your role, just act your role, because everything is going to work out. So just know, just play your part, and then everything is going to work out, all right? So, so, so Moses kind of knows what the end of the movie is going to be already. He already knows Pharaoh's going to get mad. God's going to harden his heart. He's going to set him free. He's going to kill everybody. He knows that already, right? So, dude, like, so why does this happen? The Bible says, he says, look, Moses, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, Exodus 11. He says, uh, then, then he went out, Moses. <laughs> he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. So Pharaoh basically does exactly what God said he's going to do. Pharaoh says, no, I ain't letting your people go. And Moses, it, the Bible doesn't say he was just a little disappointed. The Bible says he was hot with anger. Like, dude, that's unnecessary. This dude is about to die. Why you, when you know that, why, why are you tripping? Because he got an anger problem. When you got anger issues, you, it, nothing is rational. Why you don't like her? I don't know. But I'll kill her. You know, like, oh. Like, watch these people, right? Go on, the next one. Go on, the next one. Unnecessary anger. Look at this. I'm just trying to show you what brought Moses to this point. And then three, then Moses had destructive anger. The golden calf. Okay, go on to the next one. Show, show what the Bible says. When Moses approached the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. Y'all remember this? He's up in the, the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Uh huh. His anger burned. <laughs> Don't miss that. This is, this is, the Bible's trying to tell you something here. It doesn't say Moses was very disappointed in what he saw. The Bible says he was hot. He burned. Like, <laughs> and, he, and he threw the tablets 
It does not say he dropped them. All my, in my mind, I was thinking, most like, oh, my Lord. And he just dropped them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the Bible says your boy was like, and like, he maybe aimed at somebody. <laughs> and threw them down. Watch this. Breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And verse 20, and he took the calf. <laughs> now, just go ahead. Just go through it. I can tell what happened. Just say, go, 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 go. All right, stay right there. All right, so, okay, this is psychosis. Don't spiritualize this. Moses not only breaks the commandments, then Moses makes a cocktail out of it. The Bible says he grinds down the, the, the image, the idol, into powder. Has anybody ever taken metal and made powder out of it? Do you know how difficult that is? How time-consuming that is? You know, and the only illustration I can think of, so, so like sometimes my wife and I, you, you have to have sustained anger. That's what I'm saying. So sometimes my wife and I will get into a you know, spat, we get angry at each other, and then I'll be like, I ain't talking to her, you know. <laughs> you, you know when you try to do that. Oh, she's going to come apologize to me first, you know. <laughs> oh, there you are. Right there. <laughs> I'm already in the story now. I can't come out. <laughs> and, and, so, and so what will happen is, is like, um, so she'll look like that, right? <laughs> That look on her face, like, she'll have this look where it's just like, ooh, she fine. And seriously, and then like, whatever I was mad about, it just goes away. The ulterior motives began to take over. Like, just like, whoa, she, the way she walked just now. Now, what was, what was we mad about? <laughs> whatever we was mad about, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm willing to say I'm sorry. Like, I'm, my bad. Like, I didn't mean to do that. We good now. Like, listen, understand, Moses is not that guy. <laughs> Moses is not the guy that, like, forgets that he was angry about something. He, listen, Moses takes a metal object and spends days, I don't know if it's days, I don't know how he did this, but he grinds it to powder, makes a drink out of it, and then tells them all to drink it. Oh, Lord. Anger problems. Yeah. Do you see how he's boiling? I'm, what I'm trying to show you is, is like, are you seeing that this thing is, is not going to a good place? Like, can you see now that, I mean, come on, think about this. For 40 years, all, 3 million people complain all the time? I was telling them in first service, I can't even handle my kids complaining in the car when we're traveling. I, I have a very difficult time with the, we, you just used the bathroom and we've been driving for five minutes and you got to use the bathroom again. I am very impatient. Anybody understand? Am I the only one? Serious? Okay, y'all are too saved over here. Anybody over here got a, a little impatient streak? You're just like, you know, you just lose it. This guy, Moses, was on a whole nother level. He's like the Hulk, man. Like, we don't like him when he's angry. And the only thing that's been keeping him for these 38 years is God. Oh, thank God. Can anybody thank him right now that you got some serious issues that could break forth at any moment? And you're looking back over your life right now and trying to figure out why you didn't go postal, why you didn't take your own life, mm. why you didn't leave them, why you didn't, oh, come on, what, 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 why didn't you do? The only thing I can make sense of is why I'm not where I could be. It's because, not because I was good, but because he kept me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I feel God on that right there. Any witnesses out there, don't. Don't look sad. I'm helping you right now. Smile at me. Look back over your life and say, he kept me. I should be a father times four. Oh, you ain't going to talk to me now. 
The only reason why you ain't paying child support times four is because he kept you. The only reason why you ain't mama over four, five, six with different daddies, you don't have to talk back to me, I'll praise him all by myself. It's because he kept you. Don't judge people that kill folk on TV. The only reason why you ain't killed nobody because you packing and you know you are it's because God kept you. God's been keeping Moses. Somebody holler back at me in here. God has been keeping Moses. But after a while, Moses' flesh is getting the best of him. His sister died. He's been doing funerals. He's, he's been, and now folks are attacking him. The new generation. This is not the old folk. This is the new generation. These are, these are their kids. I'm going here. We got to stop all this generational inner fighting. And I'm, I'm really sick of the condescending talk I'm hearing from your generation about this generation. Because this generation didn't get here from heaven or hell. You gave birth to them. No, seriously. Uh, they just have no respect. But, but neither did you. You're mad that they left the church, but they sat around dinner tables where all you did was talk about people. And so they saw you in church, lifting your hands, teaching Sabbath school, but they also saw you. They saw your marriage. Y'all hearing me now? I'm just saying, it's just, let's be a little bit more compassionate to these kids that don't have respect, to these kids that don't really know God, to these kids who don't have clarity of mind and don't seem to really have direction, because the truth of the matter is they got it from somewhere. Stop, let's stop acting like we don't know where this came from. Like, where did all this come from? Why are they like this? Really? No, seriously, come on, y'all. This ain't beat up on your moment. This is just, let's be real. Listen, man, whatever my kids become, and I'm watching them now, they got nothing but me in them. But come on, somebody be honest in here. Tell them, look at that. Oh, I don't know where that anger problem came from. I don't know how. Where that, they got a mouth on them. Where'd that mouth come from? Really? The Bible says the sins of the fathers are passed down to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. But the Lord does say he will have mercy on a thousand generations of them that love me. This is what Moses is like. I just dealt with this with their parents. Now I'm dealing with this same chicanery and foolishness with them. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Next one, next one, next one. So watch what happens. Here, here's what goes down. I love this story. In the first month, now let's read it differently now, okay? Everybody see what's going on? Do you see a ticking time bomb? Do you see somebody being held by the grace of God? Do you, do you see somebody frustrated? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving me this story. Somebody who's frustrated because he's been giving to these people. He's been giving, and he's been giving, and he's been giving, and they're ungrateful, and they're ungrateful, and they're ungrateful. And at every turn, they're dogging him. At every turn, they're lying on him. At every turn, they're attacking him. Come on now, Moses is flesh and blood. After a while, anybody, any witnesses out there, the people that you love the most give you the most hell, are the most ungrateful, the most disrespectful. I see a ticking time bomb. And then this happens. 
In the first month, they're about to, it's day 40. Time to go in. The whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin. They stayed at Kedah. So far, so good. Then Miriam died. Oh. Next. Now, there was no water for the community. And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died. No, they didn't say it like that. I wish I was dead like my parents. Because there ain't no pomegranates out here. Where the, where the figs, man? No Fuji water. Fiji. Fuji. Hey, hey, you see, see, y'all clearly know all I drink is Aquafina. Come on, Sam. <laughs> what, so watch this. They're suicidal. Now look, it's so bad, they're suicidal. Yeah. No pomegranates. <laughs> all right, go ahead, go ahead. I want to die. Verse, go on, go on. Oh, okay, go on. Yeah, next verse. Uh, why did you bring, what? Now, now, now it's not God anymore. Big old cloud right there. God is right in front of them, but well, why did you bring this Lord's community uh, into the wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Uh-huh. Keep going. Why did you bring us out of Egypt, man, to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines, pomegranates. <laughs> uh-huh. And there is no water to drink. All right. Go on. So Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down. That's what you do when people get on your nerves. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Thank you, Jesus. And the Lord, you need the glory when you're dealing with it. Anybody living? Oh, no, I'm sorry. You have to admit some stuff. Anybody dealing with some hellions, some ungrateful people? It says, and the Lord said to Moses, uh-huh, let's see what he says. <laughs> he says, take the staff. And you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. All right? Speak to that rock. Did y'all catch that? Before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community. This is how it's going to happen. So they and their livestock can drink. Everybody catch that? All right, watch this. Here it goes. Here it goes. Here it goes. Here, here's, here's God's modified instructions. Because Moses had never heard it like this before, but nevertheless, it was still, first, God said, do what? What's the first thing he said? Take the rock. All right? All right. Now, this is strange to me because God told him to take something that he wasn't going to use. Oh, he was being tested. Next. Then he said, get your brother Aaron. All right. Just I want you all to be clear on the instructions. Number three, he says, gather the people before the rock. I want them to see. I want them to see something. Stay here, everybody. I want them to see something. See, the whole purpose of this thing was so they could see something. You're going to get it in a second. And then number four, number four, he says, speak to the rock. God never told Moses to do that before. So let me tell you something. If you're used to living in routine, if God wants to do something different, and you're so used to operating the way you've always operated, you're going to miss the new move of God. So here it is. And then number five, then number five, he says, give everyone something to drink. Follow that, and we good. Mm, watch what happens. Go on. Next one. Five simple instructions, yet they were different before. Here it goes. Go ahead. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence. So far, so good, right? Uh, just as the Lord commanded him. Mm-hmm. And Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, oh, boy. Did y'all catch that? Are we here? 
He couldn't resist, man. Look through the Bible. Look through it. Imagine what's going on here. He's he looking at these Negroes. And he's like, Now, now, here's the amazing thing. He just came out of the presence of God. <laughs> uh, anybody ever done that before? Like, you're like, Lord, help me. You're doing the best you can, Lord. And then, uh, Lord, I bind, I bind my, my mouth right now. Remember when Ronnie Vanderhorst was here? He told us about binding and loosing. Lord, I bind my mouth and I bind my tongue. In the name of Jesus, Lord, keep me right now for I cannot keep myself. But, 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 the, but the prayer stops right there. And then as soon as you see the people... He said, listen, you rebels, must we bring this water from this rock? Watch, guys. Watch what happens next. <laughs> then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out. He disobeyed God, but yet God still blessed. And the community and their livestock did what, y'all? All right, so let's watch. So here's what happened. This is what Moses did. Number one, he took the rod, right? What else did he do? Brought his brother Aaron. So far, so good. Praise the Lord. Number three, he brought the people before the rod. God wanted to show them something. Number four, oh. God told him to speak to who? But instead, he spoke to who? Oh. Do I have to preach that? Do I really have to preach that? Are you not hearing that? See, that's what many of our problem is. We are so preoccupied with them instead of preoccupied with him. There is absolutely positively no reason for a human being that is saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and calls himself a Christian to ever defend themselves. That's a hard word to receive. You know why? Because the Lord says, when you start defending yourself, you then diminish what I can do. Because he said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You letting these people get in your head? You are just about to get into the promised land? You guys are literally about to go straight in? And on the last day, you allow them to get the best of you? Then what did he do? <laughs> For most of you guys, this is where you live all the time. You're just in your feelings, in your flesh, constantly. Now, let me show you, and I'm closing now. This is why it was such a. I've always asked this question, Pastor Kim. I've always wanted to know, like, this sounds a little too harsh. Does anybody feel like that? You, you, look at Moses. Moses had a pretty good record. He really justifiably got angry. Disobeyed God. And then God said, because of this one thing, you're not going in. Let's be clear. This wasn't like a bunch of stuff. One thing kept him out. Are y'all here? Let, no, don't be super spiritual, but let's just be honest. That sounds a little unfair. Come on, come on, come on. 
Come on, talk to me now. That, sound, that sounds like, you, go ahead, go into your spiritual mind and say, well, thus, thus and so happened. We're talking about Moses, y'all. He'd been rolling with the folk, man. He'd been taking a lot of mess for a long time. Anybody ever sinned because you felt like you deserved it? No, sir, has anybody ever, like some of y'all, not now, but there was a time you were just like, man, man, I'm about to go get drunk, like, like for real. I'm about, to, I'm about to go cuss her out. God will understand. Uh, because I didn't, I didn't took. I'm so frustrated now. Listen, guys, I'm not celebrating sin. I'm just talking reality. Can you now? Can you imagine if God kept you out of heaven because of what Moses did? Would none of us go? Would none of us go? Everybody in here has had a a momentary lapse in judgment. Many of us have spoken to people without speaking to the rock. Many of us have struck rocks instead of speaking to the rock. So what's the big deal? Here it is. I'm going to show you. Go on. Go on. Oh, by the way, he struck it twice. Watch what God says. You'll find it in the text. The Lord says, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of That's critical. In the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community uh, into the land I give them. So we see two things here that will keep you out of the kingdom, that will keep you out of, watch this, listen. There are two things here that I see that will keep you out of the kingdom and keep you out of God's plans for your life. The first one is is you didn't trust God. Somebody's saying, oh, no big deal. That's not a big deal. There are people out there uh, sleeping around, folks out there getting high, folks out there killing folk. Man, just because I didn't trust God, understand that the Bible says if it's not a faith, it's of sin. I told you earlier, if, if, listen, God is trying to show us a lesson here, that it is, God will not accept unbelief. His whole thing is, trust me. His whole thing is believe. That's, that's, he has he's shifted from old covenant to new covenant. Old covenant was obey. New covenant is believe. He's actually trying to make it easy on you. He knows you can't work your way to heaven. He knows you can't be good enough to do the right thing. So what he's saying is what I need you to do is just believe that I've already done it. I need you to trust that I can, Moses, trust me, that I can take care of their parents and I can take care of their kids. Moses, don't lose your way and start taking stuff that belongs to me. First thing is he didn't trust God. Second thing is, I'm telling you, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. When you misrepresent God. He takes that personal. God is like, I want, peop- I want to reveal myself to people. And I want people to be clear that I'm a God of love and mercy. Think about this. As I'm reading the text, after all the drama that they've created, you know what I'm expecting God to do? Not to give them any water. Right? He just killed a bunch of people for unbelief. But instead, hear this, guys. God's working, go to the next slide. God is working with a new generation. Y'all remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Right after the spirit of God fell, there was this couple. And all they did was lie a little bit. And you know what God did? He killed them. I'm saying, same, same scenario. You know why God killed them? Because God says, when I'm trying to start something, I cannot allow a certain mindset to poison its destination. 
So I will kill them on the front end so that this generation will know that that's not tolerated. God kept Moses out because God was, for 40 years, God let unbelief die. And now Moses essentially told them unbelief is okay. Don't speak it. Strike it. Don't declare it. Work for it. Don't trust and believe God and his name without seeing anything. Work for it. Labor for it. Earn it. Moses and God said, Moses, you're messing up my metaphor. You're messing up the gospel. Don't misrepresent me. Not with this new generation. They're too hurt. They've been through too much. This is the most abandoned generation in earth's history. This generation has produced more geniuses than any other generation, but they've also produced the most unstable people of any other generation. This is a generation of suicide. This is a generation of divorce. This is a generation of depression. This is a generation of abuse. They're saying now one out of three kids is abused, but that's based on the reports. Some have suggested that some three out of four children have been abused sexually, physically, emotionally. No, they don't like church. No, they don't like your religion because they're sick and tired of frauds. They're sick and tired of being hurt. They're sick and tired of being put down by the very people that claim to love them. God says, not with these kids, Moses. I'm not going to let you treat them like their parents did. I'll keep you out. God, in my mind, Moses is kind of saying, but Lord, they just disrespected you. And God says that what they need after disrespect is not judgment, but grace. <sighs> this is what we're missing as a people. We think, see, old school is, is when you do wrong, you need to get whooped. Tell me, tell me, y'all, after what they did, And you're Moses, and the Lord's solution is give him water. Even after he strikes the rock, the Lord still releases the water to an ungrateful, unworthy, undeserving generation. Because what God is trying to reveal in these last days is that he is a God of unconditional love and grace. There's only one thing that can fix rebellion. There's only one thing that can fix hard-heartedness. There's only one thing that can fix the person that just over and over again disobeys God. Over and over again disrespects you. Let me tell you how to win your children. You can't win them with speeches. You got to win them with love. You think love is weak? Love is the most powerful thing in the universe. The Bible says God doesn't have love. He is love. And what he was trying to show this new generation before they went in is that he can be trusted. That you can rely on him. That though your sins be a scarlet, he'll make them white as snow. Although, though, though you may not understand his ways, he will yet care for you. He will yet hold on to you. I don't know about what your testimony is. My testimony is not that I've been a good guy and God has been looking out for me. 
Oh, that's not the truth. The truth of the matter is that I've not been such a good guy, but the Lord still looks out for me. I've been striking rocks my whole life and not speaking to it, yet the water keeps on flowing. Yet it keeps on flowing. And the blood keeps flowing. His blood will never, ever lose its power. I say to you like my daddy would say, he said, I got to love the hell out of him. It's the only way you get hell out of people is you got to love it out. That's who your savior is. And over 2,000 years ago, when you were deep down in your stuff, when you were far from God, the Bible says in Romans, it says that we hated God. The Bible says that there was no one that was righteous. No, not one. The Bible says scarcely would a good man die for his friend. He said, but nobody would die for an unrighteous man. But while I was yet a sinner, how does God deal with rebellion? God deals with rebellion, with grace, and with mercy, and with compassion. Hey, let me say something. Let me, let me tell you why. And I posted this the other day. You know why we need to build a place for grace? Because people can't get that anywhere else in the world. You can't get grace anywhere else in the world except the church. Nobody else gives grace. If you go to your job and you mess up, they'll write you up a few times. And after a while, if your performance is not right, they'll let you go. If your grades are not up to par. In school, you won't pass the class. Even with people, family will forsake you, Lord. Family will give up on you. Family will despise you. The Bible says uh, uh, the mother and father will despise you, but the Lord will not deny his own. God is saying in this generation, we don't need Moses striking the rock. We need a generation of people who are willing to speak to the rock before the people so that they can see that it is by faith that God moves mountains. It is by faith that God changes lives. It is by faith that God heals bodies. It is by faith that God saves marriages. It is by faith that God will work out anything. God says, I don't need rock strikers. I need you to speak to the rock. I want them to know that it is because of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. I want them to know it's because of his compassions that we fail not. I want them to know that his mercies are new every morning. I need them to rejoice and say, great, great, great is the Lord's faithfulness. I'm done. Yo, I had so many things to share, but I'm just going to stay here. This, if you do some serious theological studies, one of the main reasons God kept Moses out, because he messed up the metaphor. See, the first time God told him to strike the rock, representing that when Christ came, he was wounded for our transgressions. He's bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He's trying to, God is trying to reveal something about himself. I've been struck once. I died once. I took it once. It was good enough once. Hallelujah. Is anybody thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
In other words, he's saying that, that, that my sacrifice was enough once and for all. And now that I've given this great love, now that I've given this great sacrifice, Moses, I can't I let you strike it. Don't hit me again. Or don't put me, don't crucify me afresh again. Moses, now that you are in relationship with me, now that the blood does not lose its power, now that I have shown that love conquers all, when I want them to know that from here on out, you are to deal with me with your mouth. You are to deal with me with your faith. Speak to the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and you shall be saved. I'm telling you right now, the spirit of self-righteousness, the spirit of works, old covenant, we're not justified by law. Amen. Amen. The Bible says the letter kills. You cannot, Lord Jesus, you cannot earn it. See, striking that rock represents earning it. Flesh, making it happen. The Lord said, look at the rock. Speak to me. Speak to me. I see the Lord right now saying, just talk to me. Ask me. Do you feel like you're a mess? Ask me to cover you. I'll do it right now. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Mike, this is what's going to change your generation. This is what's going to change these kids at Way Park. This is what's going to change your children. Stop being so mean. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Lord said, Moses, you just messed it up, man. But look, can I tell you some good news about Moses? One day Jesus was discouraged. Bible says he was on his way to die. Did y'all know this happened? He had gotten so discouraged that he called for Peter, James, and John to climb with him to the mountain. When he got to the mountain, them boys fell asleep on him. You know what God did? He said, come here, Moses. Jesus is where you were. He's discouraged. The people closest to him don't understand him. And they're not supporting him. They're folk trying to kill him. Moses, if there's anybody that can encourage him. Come here, Elijah. You were suicidal. Isn't that what the Bible says? He said, I don't need nobody with a perfect record. I don't need nobody that had made mistakes. Give me somebody who's going to commit suicide. Give me somebody who made a mistake. I need you to encourage Jesus. <laughs> Anybody in here ever made a Moses mistake? Anybody here striking something right now? Guess what? Guess what? If there's anybody that can encourage anybody, it's you. The last thing we need is another testimony is, I did this, I did this, and that's why I'm here.
what God is looking for is, man, I, I done made some mistakes. But I tell you what, his mercy endures forever. Shut that down, shut that down, shut the screen down. There you go. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed.